Greetings one and all, and welcome to the Mind's Eye Podcast. I'm Paul James Caden, and today on the show, we are going to be talking about frightening people into the kingdom of heaven. There are words in the Arantia book said to be spoken by Jesus that read as follows. Never be guilty of such unworthy tactics as endeavoring to frighten men and women into the kingdom. A loving father does not frighten his children into yielding obedience to his just requirements. And if this is not enough for us, I would suggest that we perhaps get a good Bible concordance and see how many times in the Gospels Jesus speaks the words, Fear not, and fear not, only believe, or fear not, only have faith. If one were to do such a study and then ask themselves, what was the position of Christ on fear? I think this might change our thinking or revolutionize our thought life when it comes to spirituality and religion. Jesus always spoke of fear as having a lack of faith. He never frightened anyone or threatened anyone with fearful language. Now it is true that he rebuked the Pharisees and Sadducees of his day many times because of their religious beliefs and the religious burdens that they put upon the people. But might he say the same thing to many of us today? Churches and religious organizations and self-proclaimed prophets and spokesmen for God put all kind of strange requirements and burdens upon the modern-day believer. What we see a lot of today is almost the same as the ancient mystery cults because so many people are claiming that they alone have these heavenly mysteries or opening up the new mysteries of the scriptures or mysteries hidden in the words of Christ that only they know. And we can only learn these mysteries and be worthy of heaven or worthy of Christ through their teachings and through their ministry. I would challenge each and every person to look at how many times Jesus said the words, fear not. And then ask yourself, was he a man that supported fear, fearful feelings, or fearful and burdensome religious teachings? I would certainly venture to say no, but I would imagine there are people listening to this podcast or people out there in the world who could marry certain scriptures together and make them say whatever they want them to say, things such as fear God, or the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. 
But before we go digging into the Old Testament to substantiate our belief and position of fearing God and frightening others into believing in God or receiving Christ, I would once again ask you to look at that word fear in the Hebrew or in the Greek and see what the true language that these scriptures were written in truly says about fear. And you also might want to consider the time and the culture that these words were written in and then compare them to the attitude and teachings and words of Christ. I would also ask this question. Would we not find there to be something wrong with a God who would want to frighten us into his kingdom or have us threaten and scare one another into entering into that kingdom? Would not such a high and lofty and all-wise being such as God desire that we enter that kingdom through our own free will because we want to, because we love him, because we desire to be with him, and there's nothing we want more than to spend eternity basking in his light and in his presence. And think about it this way also. Unless you are someone who is an egotist, a narcissist, or someone who enjoys having some kind of power and control over other people, would you want your family members and your friends and the people close to you to be there for you in your life and do kind things for you and even be a part of your life because they were afraid of you? They were afraid of what you would do if they didn't follow your desires and whims and instructions. What kind of relationship would that be if the person you are closest to, whoever that might be in your life, if you found out that person didn't really love you or care about you or even see you as a friend, but they were merely there doing what they do out of fear, would you feel sad? Would you feel cheated? Would your heart be downcast because this isn't what you wanted from that person? And it's not how you imagined the relationship to be. They're only there because they are afraid of you. Now, if we would feel that way, how much more disappointed would God be if we followed him 
and wanted to be a part of his kingdom simply because we were afraid of him or afraid of what he might do to us if we were to utter the words, I don't believe. Or to utter the words, I believe in something other than what my religion teaches. But see, we also have to think that God is smarter than that. The Bible tells us time and time again that God sees the heart. He looks inward. He knows what is within us. He knows what's in our hearts. Do you think he would not know if we're following him and being obedient to him simply because we're afraid of him? And what might God think of those individuals who continually threaten others to follow him or follow Christ because some painful retribution is awaiting them if they don't? Would God approve of us strong-arming others, threatening them, making them afraid, giving them anxiety? In reality, we cannot speak or believe the words, God is love, and then try to recruit or proselytize others with fear and dread. The two are completely different, and you cannot mix them together and have an honest result. You cannot mix them together and say, I'm doing the work and the will of God. Jesus preached the gospel, which was the good news. It wasn't the bad news. It wasn't the scary news. It wasn't the frightening news. It wasn't the threatening news. It wasn't the judgmental news. No, it was the good news. And so when we think we're doing God's work by threatening others with hell and damnation if they don't accept the religion that we're presenting them with, who is the greater sinner? Who is the greater deceiver? If we take this attitude that so many have in the world today, that they have the right religion, though they used to drink and smoke and sleep around and go to parties and be violent or whatever it is they did that were bad habits and unbecoming behavior, well, now suddenly they found religion. They're saved and they don't do those things anymore. But they sit back and judge others. Oh, you listen to this kind of music. You watch this kind of movie. You celebrate pagan holidays that God is not pleased with. We call them children of the devil and people that are following the will of Satan. Fear and judgment, judgment and fear. Where in any of that is the good? Where in any of that is the good news? 
But this has always been the way of man. Threatening, scaring, judging, making other people believe that we have some great mysteries or secrets that they don't have, and if they don't sit under our tutelage, well, they're not going to survive the terrible things that are coming. Fear, dread, and judgment over and over again throughout the ages, and man never changes. And then he wonders why so many people walk away from religion or look at religion and say they want no part of it. Because what person in their right mind living a happy, peaceful, sane life would want to be part of a life that's miserable, riddled with anxiety and worry, and surrounded with spiritual insanity? And the sad part of it is, we don't even realize we're perpetuating the spiritual insanity. It's been so ingrained in our thinking, in our theology, in our hearts, in our souls, in our personalities. I have sadly met people in this world who literally covet and hang on to that sour, judgmental, fear-based theology as if it were something so very precious. And even if you try to talk to them out of love and show them things written in the very scriptures that they uphold, they will leer and sneer and look at you like you are some kind of unlearned fool because you don't know the higher wisdom that they know. You don't know the higher wisdom that they were shown directly by God or Jesus himself and why it's okay for them to hang on to all of that darkness. But again, let's look at the words of Jesus when he says, what dealings does darkness have with light or light with darkness? We can't have darkness in our minds and in our hearts and call it light. Let's think of the words of Jesus again when he says, if your eye is darkness, then your entire being is filled with darkness. What did he mean when he said that? Perhaps he meant if the way we decide to perceive the world and even God is darkness, then even the light we think we have is darkness within us. And sadly, that is so many people in this day and age. It's been so many people throughout every age. And we have to ask ourselves, when does it stop? Where does it stop? Man has continually throughout his time upon this earth filled his religions with superstitions, angry gods, dark spirits, bad luck, tormenting afterlives, hell, fire, and religions that were more spooky 
then they were sanctified. And unfortunately, when it comes to Christianity, they've done the same thing. And so many of us have been indoctrinated into that. But maybe it's time to see God for how God truly is. Maybe it's time to see Christ for how Christ truly is. Not what we think we know about them. Not what we've been told about them. But really get to understand and know them with the heart. It is then and only then that we will understand the words of Christ in the Gospels and we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And then those we speak to about Christ, about God, will be set free as well because they will see the love and the peace and the light and the goodness of the good news. And they will walk toward it and embrace it rather than running from it. Understand this. If we're sharing a message of spirituality or religion with another person and they end up running away, it's probably because the message we're giving them is tainted with fear and threats of a spiritual kind. And no one wants that in their lives. We have enough trouble. We have enough fear and worry and threats looming over us in this world. We don't need it from God. People are looking for peace. People are looking for love. People are looking for acceptance. People are looking for a way out of all this drama and trauma that is a part of this world. And if we give them more drama and trauma packaged as God or Christ, well, we're not helping them. We're just compounding the issue, making it worse, and the person rejects and runs away. But we also must understand that sometimes we do present a message of love, and the person will still say, no, thank you. And it is then that we must understand that that person has already probably been threatened with religion so many times in their life, they don't want to hear it anymore. And so that is not the time to kick into gear and start saying, well, you know, your eternal soul is going to burn in hell forever if you don't accept Jesus Christ or if you don't accept God. See, this is what we revert to when we're not successful with the message of love. Many times we revert right back to the threats and the fear. Well, if my peaceful little loving friendly message didn't convince them to take the sale, well, this certainly will. You're going to suffer forever. You need to take this religion I'm selling you or pushing on you or the, consequ the consequences will be horrendous.
and we can't go there either. We have to understand. The person has already probably heard that so many times in their life. They've simply had enough. And it's your job to plant the seed of love. And if they reject it, simply tell them to keep an open mind, keep an open heart. Watch for signs of God's goodness and grace and blessings in their lives. And to let God show himself to them. Not through people that threaten them or religious systems, but let God simply show them that he's there and that he cares. Now, this is generally the message that sticks with them. And when they notice in the little things or even the big things in their lives that they're grateful for, then many times they begin to feel blessed. And later on, they will embrace a lively faith. It is never for us to make afraid or frighten any individual into believing God or following in the footsteps of Christ. This is contrary to the way of Christianity. This is contrary to the way of God. This is contrary to the ways of Christ. And maybe, just maybe, if we're out there scaring people away from the love and the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God. Maybe it is we who will have a lot to answer for when we leave this earthly realm. Maybe that religious badge that we have pinned on ourselves with such self-righteousness will mean nothing. And maybe when we stand before God one day, after we leave this world, He will show us how many people we turned away from him that never came to him, would have came to him had they not been threatened so many times and made to fear him in such heinous ways. Now, that's not me using a fear tactic to get people to stop using fear tactics. It's generally just From what I understand and what I've seen in this world, bad things generally come back on those who put them out. It's the same concept that Jesus taught. We reap what we sow. So if all we have sown in this world while wearing our self-righteous religious badge was fear and threats and scare tactics and judging others, leering and sneering because we're so anointed, we're so smart, we're so saved. Well, maybe all of that that we put out eventually comes back on us. Not because God is going to slap us around for doing this, but because it is the garden we have planted a bed of our own making. We reap what we sow. Did we sow love? Did we sow light? 
or did we sow fear, hatred, and darkness? Did we sow forgiveness and the good news? Or did we sow judgment and bad news? Perhaps what we perceive as heaven and hell takes the form of the energy and the intention that our souls put out during this life. And God doesn't necessarily have to do anything to us. We do it to ourselves because we planted the weeds and the briars and the thorns and the poisons rather than flowers, vegetables, and things that are healing and nurturing. And maybe, just maybe, that is spiritual universal law. Hence, we reap what we sow. Hence, as the words of Jesus, it will be done unto you according to your faith, according to what you believe. I've often thought about that in my life. What if the fear and darkness that we try to put others in, in this world, is waiting for us in the next? Because that's what we created. That's the garden we planted. That's the mansion we built for ourselves with our own actions and words and intentions in the hereafter. This is, of course, just speculation, but maybe it's not so far off the mark. Either way, threatening people to follow a God of love, scaring people into following the light, judging people and beating people over the head with all kinds of scary images to try to get them to do right. It can't be good, no matter how we try to slice it. It is a pollution of the gospel. It is a misrepresentation of God. And more times than not, it chases people away from the kingdom rather than bringing them in. And if occasionally we do succeed with those tactics into bringing someone to God, they're only there because they're afraid. And is that what God really wants? Or does he want us to come to him because we love him? I hope this podcast gave you something to consider today. I appreciate you listening. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, certainly stay in love. And I'll talk to you next time here on the Mind's Eye Podcast.